Mac Power Users, Episode 175, Workflows with Federico Vitici. Hey, everybody. It's David Sparks along with Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie Floyd. Hey, David. Hey, we've got Federico Vitici back with us. Hey, Federico. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Great, great. Well, you know, when you released the book and we got into editorial, we had you on and, and we I felt like we didn't get the full Federico experience during that show <laughs> because uh, I, I was very excited about editorial. So were you and we spent pretty much the whole hour talking about it. But um, there's a lot of stuff you do and I think it would be really fun to talk to you about it. So thank you for coming back to to share kind of a full on workflow show with us. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been... You know, I'm a big fan of your uh, the Mac Power user, so I was really looking forward to 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 being here. And so, thank you. Yeah. yeah well, you have a... you have been one of our most requested workflow guests. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. Well, it, it's really impressive what you've done. I mean, because you built a a website, MacStories.net, correct? Dot net. Yes. And it it really has turned into a force in the Mac community. I mean, there's all these guys like me who have a little blog and write things once in a while, but I mean, you've got a, a really professionally produced and written website. That's just got tons of great Mac information and news. And you put that together from the other side of the world from Cupertino. And I think that's a good place to start if, And David's alluding to that, but tell us, how did you decide to get started with, with Mac stories and, and how does that work being, being in Italy? I well, guess you guys, you guys I... do have internet over there, although you sometimes yeah. not so much. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but we have it. And well, the reason that I got started is because I got fired from my previous job. So uh, I was forced to to find something else to do with my life, and um, I was working at uh, an eBay store. So one of those shops where you you could go and bring stuff to sell on eBay because you didn't have the time to 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 work with eBay yourself, or because you didn't have the experience with eBay. So I was basically all day putting stuff on eBay for other people, and then I got fired, and. Um, I kept doing the, the eBay thing on my own for a few months, but uh, on the side, I I started this website on, uh, on a free WordPress account uh, called MacStories, where I could, you know, I, uh, I got my, I was new to the Mac, but I I knew that I wanted to I wanted to write about apps, I wanted to write uh, to write about Apple news, and. Uh, Initially, the site was um, in Italian and English. So I would write in English, then translate back to Italian for every article. And then when I decided to, to buy my, my own domain name, um, I dropped the, the Italian translation and I just went with the English. And, and that was a challenge for me because um, it's not my first language. And as you might tell from the accent. And uh, so I, initially I was... I was and maybe today still, I'm, I'm a bit scared that I'm gonna, you know, make some spelling mistakes or that kind of stuff. But with time, I I, I hope that I've, I've improved my my skills a little bit, and um, and, and and eventually I I came to the point where I I needed to 
to make a decision whether Mac Stories would be my, my main job from that point on or if I needed to, to find something else to do. And um, the site was growing uh, quickly, so I decided to, to try my, you know, to try with the full-time thing. And, uh, and it's working out. It's be, it, it'll be five years in April. And um, yeah, it's my job now. And, uh, and it's been my, my job really for the past four years. So uh, maybe even more because just six or seven months after I, I, I bought the domain name, I decided to go full-time. So uh, uh, I really have been doing Mac Stories for the past five years, essentially. And we have now grown to a team of four people, plus occasional contributors and, and guests. And yeah, and, it, and it's, been qu- it's been quite a journey. And it's been, it's been difficult to work with time zones, especially because, um, you know, we, we had um, a writer in Australia and other people in the US. And at some point we had a guy in Japan. So it was really, it, it wasn't easy to coordinate all, all these people. And in the end, I had to change my, my habits a little bit. So um, even though I live in Italy, I, I really live on the U.S. East time zone. So I wake up every day about around noon, which will be 6 a.m., so when my when my parents used to to tell me that that I was waking up late every day, I would reply, "But well, you know, I'm actually waking up at six a.m. If you look at the other, if you look at the other time zone, yeah, I'm an early that, riser." That explains my daughter. She's actually right on time for Hawaii. Oh, we'll see. That's yeah. perfect. Well, so that, yeah, that, it, it was that, a bit of a challenge, and it, and it still is. But um, you know, with time, we've been things become easier with time. So you get used to maybe slightly adjusting your schedule and, 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 you know, initially we were doing a lot of news and, and a lot of rumors, but, uh, but with, with the years, we, we decided that we wanted to focus on only actual news and only news that we found interesting and, and especially on, on app reviews for Mac and iOS. Yeah. And you've also do a lot of extra content and kind of tutorial things that I think is really, it's just a really good website. And, and, uh, now you've got this international staff. How often do you communicate and how do you do that with everybody really spread out all over the world? No, every day, uh, really, even when we are on vacation or Christmas and we, we, we're just friends at this point. It's not, I mean, we are colleagues in theory, but in practice, we are friends writing on the same website and we have changed so many messaging services over the years. Yeah. We used to, we used to be on campfire and then we, when Apple announced, uh, iMessage and messages for Mac, we switched to a group, uh, iMessage conversation, uh, thread on the Mac and, and the iPhone and iPad, mm-hmm. but that became unusable because there were six people constantly sharing messages and, and iMessage doesn't have any uh, muting options, you know, yes. to just mute so, a specific thread. And then everything's Either pinging you, all the time. Even if you've already seen it on your Mac, yeah, it's still pinging on your yeah. iPhone and on your iPad and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and that was driving my family crazy. 
because everything was a custom ping. So we moved to Google Hangouts, and and that was good. And that was good because it, it's it, Google Hangouts has got all the the muting options. You can control notifications, and um, it's got uh, a web app and an iOS app, so people could could use it on on their computer. Uh, could use it on my iPad. But then we realized that we weren't so comfortable anymore by uh, with using Google. Yeah, and and we've been on a on a on on a kind of vision quest to to find the perfect tool for us. And for the, for the past uh, four months, we've been using GroupMe, which should be owned by Microsoft, I guess, and uh, and it's really great. And it it basically is. Everything that I wanted from from a group communication tool, it's got a web app at groupme.com, and it's got an iPhone app, an iPad app, and, and it's free. You can purchase, uh, I guess, paid emojis, <laughs> which is like a dollar, and, yeah. and and it's great because you can control notifications for each uh, thread. You can have conversation with one to one with with a single person. You can share. Tweets which show up with previews in line. You can upload images and videos, and it's and it's got a, 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 a quite silly but still entertaining uh, meme feature that basically lets you turn any image into a into a meme. You know, with the, with the funny text on top and the bottom. Yeah, and uh, and and it's been working out great for us. Yeah, and um, so right now we're using GroupMe, and basically what we do is that if it's a slow day. Uh, like every everyone is busy, you know, because the other guys have have day jobs, and so if everybody's busy, we just keep the notifications on. So if anyone writes, we're gonna see it right away. If it's a if it's the kind of day where we're all on the chat, um, we mute the notifications, and so it doesn't beep on every device, and we just talk uh, usually with the web app or uh, with the iPad app. I, I, uh, at Macworld a few years ago, and by the way, we need to get you out of Macworld at some <laughs> point, uh, but at Macworld a few years ago, I made a group me group with a bunch of my nerd friends and it was super useful, uh, because you know, we're all in the same city, but we're not necessarily all at the same hotel. I remember at one point, Katie and I were going to do a live, uh, Mac power users show from the show floor. And the union guy walks up to us and says, well, we don't have an XLR cord for your mic. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember we, this. Yeah. And I just put in group me help. I need an XLR card. And I think it was Dave Hamilton yeah. who just, like, just shows up. up out of nowhere, hands it to me and turns around and walks away. And um, it, it is really nice having kind of a, a secluded section for a group. It makes a lot of sense. Now, when we had some of the people on from Macworld, they they faced the same problem, except I think even to a bigger extent because there's more of them. And they used a chat platform, and I don't remember which one it is. HipChat, yep. yes. And I know that's become quite popular. And have you tried that one? Yeah, we we tried them all basically. And oh, really? <laughs> so you did our, chat yeah. too? <laughs> no, no. We, when when I when I said that we went on a quest, I, I really meant it because we we tried HipChat. I guess the problem was that we couldn't um, control notifications for each conversation, and and I really want to be able to mute a specific um, conversation thread because. Yeah. Uh, the the messaging service that I use, I also use it for uh, the prompt 
So for my to discuss links and and you know topics with my co-hosts for the podcast, yeah. and I use it for another group of friends. So I really want to be able to just mute one thread and and use the others. And we also tried another one that's called uh, Slack, I guess. And How do you spell got, that? Uh, S L A C K. Okay. It's a team management. Yeah, it's a team, yeah. a new team management and, and chatting service. And it's really nice, but it's more project oriented. Whereas we're just looking for a, a messaging service that syncs across platforms. We just really, my dream service was to find Google Hangouts, not by Google, with a better, with a better iOS app. And GroupMe gets very, very close to that. Yeah, I think this is a, an increasing problem of people with remote workers and managing a way to keep in touch. And I think it's even kind of an issue for groups of friends. And I, I just think that this area of service is going to become more popular and more interesting over time. So how do you manage handing out story assignments? And I understand that you use the, the group me chat to, to everybody keep in touch, but are you in charge of handing out assignments? Or like, you know, let's say we're getting close to an Apple announcement or it's even Apple announcement day and all of the crazy things that go along with that because Apple may launch multiple products or multiple updates to multiple products and you find yourself having to produce a lot of content in a fairly short period of time. How do you divide and conquer that and and manage all your minions, I suppose? <laughs> yeah, um, so we we usually don't manage assignments uh, during the year when there are no Apple events. Uh, so I just know that maybe Cody is working on a, on a review for an iPad app and maybe uh, Chris is working on something else. When there is an Apple event and when so there's a lot of content coming to the site, uh, I usually just talk with my, you know, with, with my guys about uh, what they would prefer to cover. And, and then I create uh, a note in, in Evernote. And I just, um, I, I put every, every person name on a, on a line and I just, you know, as, uh, put up some, some titles and some topics. And then I just send an email to, to the whole team. And, and I confirm that everybody's okay with the assignments and and I just keep the note in Evernote so uh, if I forget I can just look it up for reference and I remember what we are supposed to be working on that makes sense so it's pretty simple it's not I, I guess you don't it, it's not that overwhelming to manage yet at this point no because I mean we it's not like we are managing 20 posts every day f for five people it's you know we 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 have a slow pace of of updates on on the site so I I I thought that maybe we could use something more uh specific like I don't know basecamp that kind of stuff but eventually I realized that I I just didn't want to add complexity. So I have Evernote. I can, I can just create a note and, and keep everything under control in, in Evernote that I use for other stuff anyway. So um, I, I'm always, you know, looking at my notes. Now, do, do you use the collaboration feature of Evernote with your team? or? No, I, is... use, I use it more with my girlfriend, actually. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk yeah. about Evernote because I am a huge Evernote fan. We've done a couple of shows on Evernote, and David has his moments. He likes Evernote, and he's using it more often. But but sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. He has some complaints. But well, yeah, I'm not as into it as Katie is, but it is useful. I mean, I. I guess my whole thing is I, I remember, you know, using Yojimbo a lot and I liked it at the time and Evernote doesn't fit, And that really set my mind as to what to expect from an everything bucket app. And one of the things is just the ability to get things in and out of it very easily. And I mean, Evernote doesn't, doesn't have the same experience Yojimbo did, but Evernote keeps your data everywhere. So there's a huge plus and a huge minus to that. And I haven't fully wrapped my mind around exactly where I use it. Does that yeah, make sense? Um, yeah, a lot. Uh, because uh, those are many of the questions that I, that I keep having about Evernote. Because, uh, for instance, I would really love to be able to write in Markdown and have Evernote support the, the Markdown. Maybe showing both plain text and, and, the, and the HTML output at the same time. But the problem is that Evernote uses their own format for storing notes, which is, which is called ENML, which is basically like a, a superset of XML. Yeah. Actually of XHTML. Right. Uh, so they basically add a lot of, I wouldn't call it junk, but I would call it unnecessary formatting to, to the notes. And this for me was especially a problem when I tried to, to access the, the Evernote API with Python. So I wanted to play around with, with, uh, with the, they have a really good API. You, yeah. you can access a lot of information about your notes, your notebooks and tags and, and the contents of a note. You can search, you can do basically everything with the API. So I wanted to play around with Pythonista and an editorial. And uh, I had this idea that maybe I could write in Evernote with uh, their own rich text formatting tools. And that maybe I could, you know, with a script, I could take the text and convert it back to Markdown. My, basically, my idea was that I could start researching a topic in Evernote. So I could gather links and images. And then I could, when I, when I, when I thought that I was done, I, I could take that note convert it back to Markdown and, and start writing an article in editorial. The problem is that because they use their own ENML uh, language, yeah. when, you, when you try to take the text back, you see a lot of, a lot of stuff that shouldn't be there, like uh, crazy HTML for line breaks, for paragraphs. So one thing that I'm, like you said, David, I'm, uh, I'm really skeptical that Evernote will ever support anything else that isn't their own uh, formatting and syntax. But um, I really find the convenience of being able to, you know, to just create a note on an iPhone and, and then when I'm on, on my iPad, I can find the note. I can, I can find it on my Mac and can just drag and drop it into a notebook and it, and it goes off to my girlfriend's share notebook. So the convenience is, is awesome. If you are a plain text kind of nerd, it's not so great. But um, I guess that I prioritize the convenience a lot. 
Yeah. So for me, I, Katie and I, for instance, and I think we've talked about this in the show in the past, we've now developed a, a workflow with the Evernote forwarding feature where you can forward an email to your Evernote notebook. And if you put the at symbol in the name of a specific notebook, it, it automatically delivers to there. So as we get feedback from listeners and we want to cover in a future show, we will forward an email Actually, I will reply to the person saying, hey, we're going to put this in feedback. And at the same time, it gets sent to the feedback notebook in Evernote, which I share with Katie. So we both have full access to kind of the the queue of, of feedback email from clients. I'm sorry, from listeners. And that's a really great thing that we've struggled with that problem for years. And I think we finally found the right solution with Evernote. Yeah, so for um, all the listeners, when you when you get your email back from us and it has a at MPU feedback added to the subject line, that's because we use that to automatically automatically filter it into the right folder. And then when we've got time or when we're trying to do a feedback show, David and I just go through that one Evernote folder. And I think that has worked really well. I think that's the best solution we've come up with so far for managing this type of thing. Yeah, and we have more shared notebooks that don't involve listener feedback about show planning and different things. So Katie and I have several shared Evernote notebooks, and that works great. When I now I'm when writing my books, a lot of times I've got Evernote notebooks related to specific subjects, and I see things I want to address in the book, I will put them there. But what I've never been able to do is write in Evernote. I've never found that system, and, and I think the reason that I mean they aren't putting this HTML stuff in there out of uh, to be vindictive. They that's the way they make it work everywhere. I mean, they use these HTML coding so you can see it and it has bold and underline on your iPad and it also has it in the web browser and all these different platforms because, you know, they're going on every platform. So the common denominator is this HTML stuff, which for us plain text nerds is just an abomination. And as a result, I have never written anything in Evernote, but I do keep it and I still use it as a nice resource for these types of uh, functions I just explained. Uh, what I do with text is I, I write them largely in Byword and I've got a list of probably about 15 or 20 hot items at any one point in Byword. It doesn't stay there forever, but you know, when I'm writing something for work or writing something for the website or working on a piece of a book, I, I often write it in Byword and, and I get the same function in that it shows up everywhere and it's very convenient because of the iCloud sync. Something that I do that I do a lot is um before writing an article, either I don't know, an opinion piece or a review, I start um a note in Evernote where yeah. I just put down everything that I that I have in mind for uh, I don't know section ideas or uh, points that I want to make and images screenshots links anything uh, I just create you know and drop everything in and um, the iPhone app has this um, new home screen feature on iOS seven where you can basically have a single screen with shortcuts to your notebooks, your tags, and 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 the, the note uh, widget on the Evernote home screen uh, basically displays all your your recently modified notes. So, because I'm working on this note 
uh, it goes to the top of the of the of that section in the iPhone app. So if I'm I don't know if I'm maybe cooking if I'm playing some video games uh, I, and and if I have a new idea I just take the iPhone and and go to the home screen. The 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 note is usually at the top, so I just tap it, add my idea, and and the app automatically syncs. So I just can go on, go back to what I was, I was doing, but the idea is saved. And then later, when I'm on my iPad and I'm writing, I, I can just take a look at, at my notes and, and, and start the, the writing process in the tutorial. I just think that Evernote is great for collecting ideas. Uh, and I don't think that they see it as a, as a writing tool. I mean, the, 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 their tagline is to remember everything. So maybe someday they will, they will add uh, features meant for writers. I just see it as a note taking tool for now. And, and the fact that you can add hyperlinks and, and images, that's, that's really a nice ad- addition to, you yeah. know, to the app. Well, and I don't think it needs to be a great writing tool. Yeah. I, I think there's other things you can do that, like the workflow you just explained with your text file. I do, I do it with usually a mind map. Like lately, the one I'm using the most is MindNode, and it's in my dock on my iPad because I use it so often. It's the same thing. If I get an idea for uh, an article, a book, a brief, whatever, I I always have the ones that I'm thinking about in there as mind maps, and I just add pieces to it. And they've got a really nice feature that I can export that to text at the end and I'll just put it in by word as an outline in essence when it's done. And I'm doing that with Omni Outliner too now. I'm playing with that a little bit more, but uh, I think it, the, the point is you need some way to kind of collect this information. And I'm not sure Evernote's ideal for that, but it's certainly a solution. I, it, the common denominator between everything we're talking about is that they're available everywhere. Yeah. It's yeah, I do. I do use mind maps a lot too, but it, it usually depends on the on the kind of article that I'm writing. So, for instance, the, uh, every year in December, I write these articles, uh, listing all my must-have apps for the iPhone, iPad, and Mac, and and I've been doing this for three or four years now. And so basically these are really long lists of apps. So to organize these articles, I create mind maps because I just like, you know, branching out the topics so I can, uh, there's a central iPhone node and then I can do productivity apps that I like on, on, on a side of the map. Then I can do music apps on another side. So for posts where I, where I need to, to visually organize that, I use MindNote. But lately, I've also been using this, um, this app called Graphio and for the iPhone and iPad. It's the, uh, the, the developers are called 10 Touch Apps, I think. And it's basically kind of a mix between MindNote, uh, MindNote and OmniGraffle. So you can do diagrams and, and you can, you can just, you know, create all these, uh, boxes and, and shapes and connect them with arrows and with other kinds of connections. Basically I've been using Graphio to, to visualize my, 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 my most complex editorial workflows. Yeah. So if I'm creating, uh, so I'm working on on an update to to my book, and I'm working on 
on, on a set of actions that I call the, the WordPress suit. And um, so these are really complex workflows because they deal with a lot of, you know, if there is an error, if there is a specific configuration on your site. So uh, I have a lot of uh, if statements, that kind of stuff. So the, these workflows can really branch out in different directions. So with Graphio, I can, you know, just visualize the entire process. I will, will work out in the end what, what the output is supposed to be. So I can, I, I use, um, every time there is a, uh, the workflow may stop. I use a, a, a red color and, uh, and I really like to be able to, to, you know, to, to create this large canvas and to just understand visually what's going to happen with the, with the workflow. And, but Evernote, uh, I think that I use it more for app reviews and because they, they require a lot of research and which usually means a lot of links. And I don't like how most mind mapping applications deal with links. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, Graphio, I'm looking at, does not have a Mac app yet. So no. they're just iOS. Yeah. yeah. See, for, for me, now, that's, yeah. kind of a, that's kind of a yeah, deal killer I think for that, me. I think they, they said they are working on a Mac app, but I just don't know any timeline. Yeah. So, so what else are you using Evernote for? Um, what else? Um, well, I have a, a shared notebook with my girlfriend to, you know, she works on... on our little side project for icons and coffee where mm-hmm. we, you know, she makes the icons and I help with the with marketing, that kind of stuff. So we drop ideas in that notebook that we share. Uh, I use uh, Evernote quite a lot for taking notes about uh, video games I'm playing. And I have a notebook where basically every time I start a new game, I create a, uh, a note called, I don't know, Zelda notes. And okay. when I'm playing, I take notes. And then in, in this... <laughs> well, with yeah. a game like Zelda, you almost need to. <laughs> yeah. And and when I'm, when I, when I'm doing research uh, about a game that I want to talk about, and basically I use the Evernote Web Clipper for Safari to find uh, interviews with game developers and reviews by, by other websites. So I use the Clipper to archive um, the web page in my video game notebook in Evernote. And then in the Evernote m- app, I use the highlighter tool to, you know, to highlight passages of, of these articles that I, that I want to reference later. And, and this brings me to to one thing that I really don't like about the Evernote apps for iOS is that there is no browser. There is no web clipper on iOS. And, uh, and I think that this is really the aspect that makes Evernote superior on OS X because I can just open Safari and use the clipper, which is fantastic because it's got a lot of options to you know, grab an article's text or maybe turn it into a PDF, make annotations, everything. And there is no... There is no version of this on iOS. There is the Dolphin web browser, which is a third-party browser. It's not made by Evernote. It's got some web clipping features, but it's really not the same as the Evernote web clipper for Safari and Chrome. Well, I, I that, don't know. I, I, 
I was, the, web, the Firefox version. Yeah. The web clipper for Safari is just amazing, and it's gotten even better yeah. in the last couple of months. But I will tell you, and, and you're probably already aware, there are a couple of apps that will clip into Evernote for you. Everclip is probably one of the most popular ones. But you can get an Evernote bookmarklet that will work on yeah. iOS. And I don't think it's yeah, officially usually... supported by Evernote. But it's not it's not great. It works better on on the iPad than than the iPhone. But it's better than nothing, I think. And I think I remember that usually these apps um, use some um, background trick to to always be able to run and and grab uh, URLs that you copy in your clipboard. I don't know if this has been fixed with iOS seven, but I remember that the the experience wasn't great on iOS six. Right. And I really just want to be able. To you know, in the Evernote app to, to have uh, some kind of browser view when I can just, uh, you know, open a link within Evernote and, and research from there. So not, not just to, to be able to, to open links in Evernote because right now you can do that on iOS. And I want to, to, you know, to have the same options that you have on the Mac. So uh, extract an article stacks and maybe save it as a PDF and 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 I, and I feel like uh, every time I want to do some serious research, this is one of the things where that that I cannot do on my iPad. I will use, um, and again, it's not a perfect solution, but I will also sometimes use uh, either Instapaper or one of the other Read It Later apps, or sometimes just the email this web page. Uh, feature as a get around for that because if you've of course if you've got Evernote connected to an email address you can you can email a web page or you can you know to to that Evernote address and again not great but I find it works in a pinch yeah and um when when uh, I also created this uh, kind of nerdy solution to when I'm when I'm in editorial and uh, and I want to grab uh, a selection in the web browser, but I want to keep the formatting of that selection, which usually means inline links. Uh, I basically created this workflow that uses the HTML to text uh, script, which was originally created by Aaron Swartz. Uh, to to convert the um, the HTML of a web page to Markdown, so I uh, I use this a lot to 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 save um, rich text from the browser to Evernote, but also to start new link posts in for my stories in editorial mm. because otherwise my the the editorial browser would just grab plain text. Because it doesn't understand that there is a link or the, that some word is bold when you when you just use the iOS copy feature. Yeah, didn't Brett Terps do some kind of? Uh, I think it was Marky or something that he yeah, did. Yeah, but, but I couldn't I couldn't use Marky because I thought that that I could use Brett's solution yeah. in, in a tutorial. But basically, it's a it's a JavaScript limitation. So he told me to check out HTML to text, and yeah. of course, he, he was right. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more, and, and we, we're kind of veering into that, but I want to talk a little bit more about your your writing workflow because you write some uh, very extensive posts on Mac Stories. But before we go there, because I know that will that will be quite a discussion, I do want to take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor for this episode, our exclusive sponsor, actually, for this episode. And that is our good friends over at Smile and their product, PDF Pen. And PDF Pen is another product that I'm so happy that uh, sponsors Mac Power users because it's one of those things that I absolutely 
absolutely cannot live without on my Mac. It has become my default PDF uh, reader, writer, browser, whatever you want to call it, my everything PDF application of choice because I use PDF Pen on my Mac. It's set as my default application to open any kind of PDF on my Mac because it does everything that I need to do with PDFs on my Mac and, and probably a whole lot more from being a simple PDF reader to going so far beyond by allowing you to edit PDF documents by adding you to by allowing you to OCR the contents of these documents and actually change the text. So if you find a quick typo in a document that you need to fix and you don't have the original source or you don't want to go back to the original source, you can OCR it with PDF Pen and make that change and boom, you've got a, a fixed PDF. You can also annotate your PDFs using PDF Pen if you want to highlight a, a, a section of the text or if you want to bring special attention to something. Uh, probably one of my most used features of PDF Pen is uh, you can drop custom, I guess you would call it artwork or graphics, for lack of a better word, into PDF Pen. And I use this very commonly because I've scanned both my signature and my initials into PDF Pen's library, so you can use it to easily sign in initial contracts. And I just go into PDF Pen and drag my signature over, and it's, um, you know, I've got a can sign documents on the fly with, with PDF pen or initial them, uh, or I can make my own customs. Like for example, in my line of work, I've made custom exhibit stickers. If I want to use PDF pen for, for things like that. Uh, you can also use the pro version of PDF pen, uh, to create custom forms, which is another thing that I do is I'll create fillable forms either in pages or sometimes in Microsoft word, I'll create templates and then I'll export those as PDF because I want to put them up on our website. But then I think, you know, I really don't want to get a handwritten form back, wouldn't it be nice if people could just type in this and send it back to me? So I'll use PDF Pen Pro to create a, um, a fillable form, which has gotten a whole lot better in version 6, because now it will automatically detect those form fields for you and say, hey, this looks like a big block of text, I'm going to put a big block of text form here, and this looks like a checkbox, so I'm going to put a checkbox here, and it's amazingly accurate. But I also love that the developers of Smile have gone above and beyond with PDF Pen, and they've added support for scripting. And one of the things that you can do that I do pretty regularly with PDF Pen is I use it to automatically OCR all of the documents that come into my computer that aren't already OCR'd. Because as we know, once things are OCR'd, they now become searchable and you can do all kinds of magic things with them, whether it's with Hazel or whatnot. And I'm working on a post and I'll throw it up on uh, katiefloyd.me and I know David's done some stuff with this before, but I actually have a Hazel rule that kicks off just a little bit of Apple script and you can search and you'll find it. We'll put a link in the show notes to this, um, that every PDF that's downloaded to my downloads folder automatically gets opened up with PDF pen if it meets certain criteria, OCR'd, PDF pen opens up in the background, OCR's it then closes, and now that PDF is completely readable, so my Hazel rules or whatever I've set up can just run wild. So it's a critical part uh, to my paperless workflow as well. So you can find more information about PDF pen for Mac over at the Smile website at smilesoftware.com. And in a few minutes, David's going to tell you all about the great line of iOS apps that they have as well. They've got free trials that you can check out over on their website. And then when you're ready to buy, you can either pick them up from the Mac App Store or from Smile's site directly. So thanks to Smile for their continued support of Mac Power users. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you, Smile. And I'd like to do get into that next topic, Katie, because uh, Federico does write some truly... Uh, 
Epic, epic posts. That's funny that we came up with the same word. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, the reviews you do on things. There's certain apps that you choose to focus on. And when you do, you write a very long one, like the editorial one, which ultimately turned into a book, uh, just to give you an idea. I think, what was that, like 60 pages or something, that that review? Uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of pages. Yeah. I, I don't remember the count. Um, it was a the, – the website version was um, – 24,000 words. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of words. Yeah. And so, so how do you manage, one of the questions I always have is how you put out so much content. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable how you can publish these, these very long reviews so regularly. Well, for one, my girlfriend is very patient. (laughs) (laughs) That would, that would seem like a necessary step. Yeah. (laughs) No, um, I, I don't, my writing process, is, and I've been writing like this since middle school, uh, I don't have many, uh, many drafts. I just, when I know that I'm, that I'm going to, then I have a deadline. So if I know that, for instance, uh, Wednesday, there's a big app coming out. Uh, okay, I say, okay, I need to write this over the weekend. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I'm going to read, 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 and find everything that I don't like. And, and you know, and, and I got to be ready by Wednesday. The, the week before, um, and, and weeks before, actually, I start thinking about the, about the angle that I want to take, about what I think, of course, and, you know, what kind of approach I want to I want to to have in, in the review, and I take a lot of notes as, as I told you in, in Evernote, and uh, I just put down everything that I can think of, uh, stuff that I like, stuff that I don't like, screenshots, and and, and uh, I just, for instance, I create notes to like uh, create animated GIF to show this particular animation. So I just take a lot of notes. And then I write in short bursts of writing. I sit down three hours and I just write. And 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 usually I'm I don't have to cut much because I I like to to you know to take my time to think about the kind of stuff that I that I want to have in the review. So when I'm writing I know that uh, I have already kind of edited the piece in my in my mind. That's the way I see it. And no, and then no, of course I and I'd like to stop there for a minute because I think that is such a good lesson for people that if you do spend time planning it can make the writing so much more efficient. And that's what yeah. you're describing. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm um, something that I do a lot is also to to discuss and and something that I want to write with other people just to understand whether I'm not crazy or if maybe I've gone a little bit insane and and because you know spending so much time with computers you can you can lose a bit of perspectives and yeah. and, and especially you can you know we are nerds and we like to obsess over these tech details of of things so it's easy to to lose context so when I know that I have a, a, this big review or I don't know uh, an opinion piece to work on, I just like to make sure that the rest of the world isn't off sync with me. And so I, I, I talk to my friends, to my girlfriend, to my colleagues about 
ideas that I have. But like I said, uh, when I sit down to write, is I already know what I'm going to write. And, uh, and of course there are, there are the surprises, you know, because maybe I'm writing and, 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 and I have a nice idea that I want to use. And so of, uh, of course that happens, but essentially I like to plan a lot in advance without writing drafts that, that I'm going to, to, to throw away because I, I just don't think that that's efficient. Yeah, so when you, you know, when you when you first said that you said I don't l- write a lot of drafts, what I thought what you were going to say is I'm one of those guys that just decides I'm going to write it and I pick up a keyboard or a pen and I start writing and then I get it, which are the people that I hate because I can't I don't have that ability. I have to plan. So, but when you say you're not doing a lot of drafts, it's not that you're not planning. You're doing the planning, except. Some people's version of planning is to write 20,000 words and then cut 14,000 yeah. out. Yeah. And that's not, I don't do that either. It, it would make me crazy. Yeah. And, and I think that when I, when I mentioned that I want to find the angle of the, of the story, that's the hardest part for me because um, when I'm something like editorial or uh new apps that, that come out and, and convince me to, I don't know, maybe replace some apps that I've been using for years. I, I, I think that I need to provide a solid motivation for, for people to understand why this app is better than what there was before. So I, I want to always find a good story, but I always realize that the best story for me is to, is to be honest with my readers and just to just share what what I think that for me uh, has worked with with an app or with a, with a, I don't know some other technology and like I said I, I take a lot of notes in, in in Evernote but and the fact that my reviews end up being uh, long isn't um, a requirement uh, they just happen to to turn out long because I I, I like to to cover the details that others are uncovering because m- maybe they see these details as uh, as too much work. And, and b- whereas I think that too much work eventually produces stuff that is better because I want to, I want to read the, the review that is uh, extensive and, and that mentions every possible downside or every possible uh, great aspect that other people aren't seeing. So, um, the fact that they are long and sometimes people, you know, kind of mock me for, for this, uh, I just don't see it as a problem because that's the way that I, that I, that I, that I like to, to approach this stuff. It's, I just want to, to consider every detail and to, and, and especially for apps to consider the, the reasoning behind a specific choice or a feature or, or a design problem. I, I want to know what the developer or designer was thinking when, when I, he was making I, an app. I think you're doing it right. I mean, it's just, we do the same thing with the show. We make a podcast we want to listen to. You write a blog site or you write a website that you want to read. And I think yeah. that's the only way you can do it without burning out because otherwise you're just doing something that somebody else wants you to do. Oh, yeah, because you end up writing all these reviews that they are not reviews. They are... They are 
uh, homework basically because right. you are told to write a review so you just go feature by feature and just talk about the features and, and you're done whereas I, I think that especially by looking at MacSory's archives besides my terrible English you know, a couple of years ago you, you, you're going to see a central theme and, and kind of a evolution of 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 myself and, and my, my colleagues, uh, as writers and as reviewers, we've gone through our phases of, of stuff that we liked, stuff that we didn't like anymore, and then maybe we circle back to an, an original opinion. So I think that's nice because, um, especially now that we are five years old, we are, we're, you can look through the archives and see that maybe three years ago I, I was really into Google and then as Google was changing, I, I've moved away from Google. So you can see these topics evolving over time. And I think that that gives sense to, to the name Mac Stories because it's, kinda, it's not just the story of an app of a or a developer, but it's also our story. So I think that, that makes sense and people are liking it. So yeah, it's working out for me. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about your your love affair with your iPad. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's kind of legendary at this point. Um when I wrote the iPad at work book, I used the iPad exclusively for about 3 or 4 months and you've been using your iPad I think exclusively for a couple years now and it's really interesting to read about the ways you are making that happen. Um and I know, you know, when you got sick is when you first realized that the iPad really made a lot more sense to you than carrying a Mac around. But, you know, now, now where do you stand on that? Are you using the Mac much anymore or are you still really using your iPad nearly exclusively? I use my Mac for podcasting and for the Evernote features that are missing on the iPad. And no, I, I use my Mac. Uh, and especially when I'm at home and uh, I use it to watch movies um, because the screen is bigger than my iPad mini. But I consider my iPad mini as my primary computer, whereas the, my MacBook Air is, is kind of my desktop computer that I don't use much, essentially. So my, my iPad is my, is my computer because I, I can just, uh, like you said, I can carry it with me all the time and it's got... 3G connection, so I can work from anywhere, and 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 I I don't have to you know to create this big workstation because uh, I don't have to use a uh, a mouse or a keyboard. It's just my iPad, and, and it's tiny, small, and portable, and and I can write, I can publish to Mac stories, I can I can read, I can play games. So yeah, you must be thrilled that they that the iPad Mini got parity with the with a larger size oh, iPad. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe when I, when I, when Apple announced the the Retina Mini, I thought that there would be some compromise uh, somewhere in, in in the device. I I thought that maybe the processor was much slower, or maybe uh, it didn't have the same battery life. But basically, they shipped the same iPad into different sizes because the difference in terms of processor speed and is basically non-existent because it's it's. Really it's the minimal. same one, yeah. It's the yeah, same it's one. it's it's the same one. Basically, you're not gonna notice that the difference that between the iPad Air and the Mini. So yeah, yeah I was seriously happy, and 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 uh, when I, you know Apple didn't exactly make a big deal out of the out of the original 
uh, iPad mini retina launch back in November. It kind of, it, it was a soft launch. It was like, a, oh yeah, and, and we have this too. For those of you who yeah, want a smaller morning, one, here you go. Yeah. Yeah, so basically people woke up and found out that the, the iPad mini retina was on sale. So I I drove to the Apple store, which uh, now that I live in Rome, it's five minutes away from me. And uh, I just went there and, and got one because uh, they they just got the, the device like two hours before. So as someone and who uses the iPad mini as his main computer, which one did you go with? I went with um, Space Gray, 32 gig, Wi-Fi and cellular. Oh, that's that's nice. exactly the model I have. Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting. So you you thought you could get by with thirty two gigs? I mean, when you know, as much as you use it, I would have thought that you might have gone a little bit bigger. No, because last year the first iPad Mini I got the the top of the line model, sixty four gig, three G, yeah. and Wi Fi. But I but I realized that I wasn't using all that space anyway, because most of my content isn't really a local document. It's somewhere in the cloud, either Dropbox or Evernote or my Mac mini server and Mac mini Colo. So I was accessing stuff in the cloud. So it wasn't eating up space. So what I did this year, instead of getting the 64 gig model, I got 32 gig and I, uh, and I bought a different data plan for my iPad. Uh, one of the things that is nice about the internet in Italy is the the mobile carriers. Unlike the the ISPs for home connections, uh, you can buy a lot of gigabytes per month for a ridiculous cheap price. So I have uh, something like um, I don't know ten gigs of oh, data. Wow. wow! For twenty euros. Wow. Oh. <laughs> which is like thirty dollars, uh, which I think for you guys in the U.S. it's uh, literally thousands crazy of because, dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I don't think it's that much, but I I pay a hundred dollars or a hundred and ten dollars a month just just for just to share a gig between one one gig between my iPad and my iPhone. Now, of course, that includes the service on my iPhone as well, but it's just yikes. So you can get by with one gig a month, Katie? I'm on Wi-Fi just about everywhere. I'm on Wi-Fi at home, Wi-Fi yeah. at the office. And so the only time I – and I've got the, the VPN with Cloak. So anytime I'm somewhere that's got free Wi-Fi, I, I turn on the VPN. But <laughs> but Federica, you, you said something that um, I, I wanna don't want to just rush by. You said a lot of your stuff is, is in the cloud. And so I found that too. Originally, I had the 16 gigabyte um, iPad model, and I found that it was good most of the time, but it started getting a little bit tight um, as apps started going retina. And then I really couldn't carry much media. You know, my, I, I've got this friend of mine who keeps writing these iBooks that are incredibly large. And, um, you know, carrying those things around on my iPad is just kidding. I'm just kidding, David. But, um, you know, carrying some of these iBooks author books or carrying even a couple of TV shows or movies just to have them on your iPad at any time starts to eat up space. So I'm, I'm guessing you're not carrying a lot of a lot of media on the iPad. No, um, because my movies and TV shows are on Plex on my Mac Mini. OK. And my music is either. So right now I'm a bit torn between music services because I'm. Um, I I use audio a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, a few months ago, I managed to find a way to to subscribe to uh, iTunes Match with my US iTunes account, 
And so I, I've been trying iTunes Match, but not with by downloading songs. So I, I'm still streaming them from from iTunes from the cloud. And last week I installed um, the Beats Music app. I don't know if you guys saw it. Yeah, the, yeah, that's that new one. And and right now it's iPhone only, but I find myself liking it so much that I'm running in in compatibility mode on my iPad. Because I, I just I think that there are many nice ideas about Beats Music. Right now, I don't know if I will be able to pay with my Italian credit card. But yeah, so I don't have m- much media because I just download a couple of albums from iTunes Match just to make sure that maybe when I'm driving and if there is no reception, I have um, I have some albums to listen to. And actually, for me, what what consumes the most space is um, podcasts mm, because I, I do download, I do download um, episodes of podcasts that, that I care about, such as such as MPU, for instance, okay. ATP, and and the prompt because I want to I, I want to listen to our own episodes, and so I have more space available uh, dedicated to podcasts than than songs. Yeah. Now, do you um, do you do that in the iTunes app or do you? No, I use oh. Pocket Pocket Cast. Yeah. Okay. I, I've been looking forward to trying Marco's new app, um, Overcast, for the iPhone. Yeah. I guess it's coming first. I don't know. Uh, yeah. He's been he's been talking about it a lot, so I'm curious. But yeah, Pocket Cast has been working fine for me. Although I don't like it that the notifications for new episodes don't aren't uh, are not as fast as um, Instacast or the or the Apple uh, Podcast app. I went through a, a Castro phase a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. I, are you familiar with that one? Oh, it's a- yeah, I, I bought it yesterday because I wanted to try this um, um, media controller at the bottom that everybody was talking about. Yeah, it's it's very nice, but. For me, the problem is I do spend quite a bit of time listening to podcasts at the Mac as well. And, you know, Instacast was the first to do this. Pocket Cast does it as well. But these applications that will manage your podcast and also they have a accompanying Mac application where you can listen there as well. And then it synchronizes play position. That's just, to me, such a killer feature that any any innovation on a a particular iOS app is not going to be enough for me. So I, I used Castro for a week, but it, I just found it frustrating because I want to be able to listen to something at my Mac and pick up where I left off in the car. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big that's a big feature for me as well because um, I usually start an episode on my iPhone and then I pick it up on the iPad and I finish there. You also mentioned a, a Mac Mini that you have um, located uh, at Mac Mini Colo. So I, I know that you have this, uh, I know that you have a Mac that you use for certain things, and I knew you had a Mac Mini, but do you not have a Mac Mini in your home? Is, is your Mac Mini server, quote unquote, at Mac Mini Colo? Is that where your media server uh, is and all of that? Yeah, I actually have two Mac Minis at Mac Mini Colo because one is dedicated to, uh, for Mac Stories hosting. Okay. So there's a, there's a Mac Mini just for Mac Stories. And then there is my Mac Mini which um, is basically a combination of media server, tasks, so for Plex and iTunes Match, because it's faster than my home connection. But it also has um, scripts that we run in the, in the, in the backend for image, image uploads for, for the site, for uh, automatic um, 
watermarking of screenshots and it, it, it does a lot of stuff with scripts in, in the backend that really save us a lot of time. So I guess that when I, when I say that my iPad is my primary computer, I should also mention that there is a Mac behind the scenes saving me a lot of time. And I think that maybe with, with time, uh, if Apple makes changes to iOS, I'll be able to save this time directly on iOS without going through scripts running on a Mac. But today, it's the only way that I, that I, that I can do it without going crazy. I want to talk, talk about, about that. that more, yeah. Uh, the, definitely the issue of the, you know, the hairy parts where the iOS just isn't cutting it for you and the ways you're getting around that. Uh, but before we do that, I, I want to talk about uh, Smile a little bit more, too, and PDF Pen for iOS. Which Smile is exclusively sponsoring the show. We very much appreciate it. Uh, so PDF Pen, as Katie talked about, is really the premier PDF application on the Mac. And several years ago, they started moving into the iOS, and they've done that in a really great way. Uh, a Smile has the unique advantage of being able to have an application both on the Mac and the iOS versions. And for people like Katie and I, who spend a lot of time with PDFs, we want to be able to access those anywhere, just like we want to access our, our uh, podcasts. And so PDF Pen was the first application, the first PDF application, to jump on this iCloud thing. So now they've got iCloud tying together the version on the Mac along with the version on the iPad and the iPhone. So when I work on a PDF, let's say that PDF Katie was talking about earlier that she imports and she OCRs, she can go find it on her iPad just as easily because it's in the iCloud. So she opens up her, her iPad and it shows up right there. If you make a change on the iPad, it immediately shows up over on the Mac. It, it doesn't require you to press any sync buttons. It just happens. And it's one of the best implementations of iCloud that there are. It does a lot more though. PDF pin for iPad and iPhone does a lot of PDF management tools. It's got the ability to edit PDF documents. You can store documents not only in the iCloud, but also in Dropbox. So if you want to do Dropbox sharing, you've got that covered too. You can add text and images and signatures to PDFs, which is, I think signatures is one of the great features. I've, I've signed contracts on my PDF pin for iPhone app, uh, you know, while waiting in line for food. Uh, <laughs> the, um, you can also move and resize and delete images uh, from the original PDF. You can import images from your photo library, which is kind of nice if you want to put something in. In fact, this is an application that I think you know would work for just about any type of PDF management. I, this is the one that I use to do the most work on my iPad. Um, you can add notes and comments. You can do freehand scribbles. You can draw lines and arrows, rectangles, ellipses, all the stuff you want to do to manage a PDF. You can also mark up a document with highlighting and underscoring strike through. They've got a, a proofreading symbol collection that allows you to insert the proofreading messages. Um, you can do a thumbnail view from the sidebar so you can skim them. It's just a really thorough version of a PDF application for your iOS device. When you're done, you can press a button and email it off to your coworkers, and you can email it in a method where it flattens it so all your annotations are kind of embedded in the file, or you can make it so they can see your edits and change them. Uh, and I use both of those features depending on where I'm doing it. 
Um, it works with Dropbox, Evernote, Box, Google Docs. Uh, you can share over Wi-Fi. You can transfer through iTunes, FTP, WebDAV, just about whatever you're going to want to do. They've got it covered. One of the features I found recently in PDF Pen that I didn't even realize existed was support for the specialized styli. Like I have a Jot Touch. They've got support in there, and it's got the extra buttons on it, and PDF Pin supports that as well. So you can get all of this on your iPad for $14.99. Um, they also have an application on the iOS called PDF Scan Plus, which will allow you to do a couple things really well. You can take a picture of a document or access an existing picture from your library. It'll convert it to PDF, and then it'll apply OCR. And so you've got optical character recognition. That stuff Katie's doing with that Apple script on her Mac, you can now do it right on your phone, and then you can upload it. So I really like this feature because I have things I do all the time. I'll take a picture of a document, upload it to my action folder, and Dropbox and Hazel will see the contents of it because the OCR has been applied. It'll give it a name. It'll file it. I mean, I don't even go have to go to my computer for some of these things. It just happens. And you get that for just $4.99. Uh, so Smile has created this really great ecosystem for PDF management. If you've got a Mac and an iOS device, if you just buy in and get yourself the PDF pen suite, both for your Mac and your iOS device, you're going to have a great way to edit and manage PDFs, synchronize them across without any effort, and do some really amazing stuff. Um, I get excited about this, and I use it every day, and I'm really thrilled to have them as a sponsor. Go check it out if you haven't already. And David, I just realized as you were mentioning the prices, I forgot to mention the prices of, of PDF Pen for Mac. And uh, so it's $60 for the standard version and $100 for the pro version. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Smile. Thanks again for supporting our show. And let's get back to this this iOS topic because, uh, Federico, I've I've admired some of the stuff you've done, and you've come up with some very sophisticated workflows for getting work done just on your iPad. But I have to admit, at some level, sometimes I think it's too much. You know why? And I understand for you because of your mobility, you needed something that could just be with you. But for me, I don't need to go that deep. A lot of times, using the iPad for certain parts of the workflow, but not all the parts, is more efficient for me. But where are the points that you're running into friction, that it's it's difficult? Um, yeah, I agree that it's too much. And in part, it's because um, I either need a specific solution for me, and then I realize that maybe some other crazy guy in the world may be interested. And... In part, it's also on principle because I want to I'm, maybe not prove a point, but just show that something is possible. No, and, and I really, I like it. I love the crazy stuff yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, but I realize that they are hacks, <laughs> essentially. And, yeah. and it's a lot of duct tape putting all the pieces together. And, but right now, it's the only way that you can do some certain stuff on, on iOS. And the, the, the areas where um, I, I see the need of a Mac. And I think that for me, for Mac stories, um, it's the possibility to run um, an application in the background all the time, checking for changes to files or to specific conditions. So for instance, we have Hazel on our Mac mini, actually Mac minis, because we run it on both machines. 
Um, and Hazel is really a central piece of our of our workflows for the site and for myself because I use it for photo photo management as well. And uh, on iOS, the the lack of um, of real background technology really it becomes a problem when you when you reach the point when you when you want to as a, when as a geek and as a, and as someone who wants to work with very high requirements on on an iPad you reach the point where you you say okay the iPad cannot do this so even when i'm putting together a script or a workflow or an action for drafts or a safari bookmarklet whatever it is uh, i i constantly see stuff that isn't that is even with scripting and with python and with url schemes i realize that it's too much even for me so background would be the the the, the most obvious candidate but also i i don't like dealing with uh duplicate files and i, yeah. and I find ios reliance on the opening menu uh, it just drives drives me crazy because i'm to to send a file across multiple apps you just send up with multiple versions of that file and that's just not good in my opinion and yeah for instance I, like if you're doing a screenshot you may work on it in Sketch, and then you may put yeah. it in the Photos app, and then you may send it to some other app, and then suddenly yeah. you've got four copies on your yeah, iPad. and it, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense for me. And I also don't like it. Then there is no um, versions the 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 OS ten feature for file revisions. There is no versions on iOS. You cannot you cannot have the the the, the same interface for uh, checking old versions of files directly on an iPad. So applications that want to use this feature, either they create they create their own interface like editorial or they rely on some third-party API like the Dropbox file uh, revision API. And, and, and I think that maybe it's because Apple doesn't have... Uh, or maybe because it doesn't, they don't care. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they do. Have, they do have pages and numbers and, and and keynote, and those apps would seem like good candidates for these kinds of features. And and so I would also mention versions. And oh gosh, what else? Oh, um, being able to, you know, this is kind of obvious. Being able to 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 watch a video and take notes at the same time. Uh, when uh, a couple of weeks ago I downloaded some videos for the Apple Tech Talk videos yeah. uh, for for developers because I wanted to I wanted to listen to a couple of um, discussions that were having about iOS seven design and if I if I watch a video on my iPad I cannot have something like um, I don't know maybe like a minimized player or something like that picture in picture I don't know. Um, but I cannot do that, so I have to to use my Mac to to take notes while I watch a video. But in general, I guess that there are different levels of being able to work on iOS. Uh, I guess that for most people, just being a, be able to to do multiple thing, things at once, and not and, and this is also a discussion that I had on the Promblast a couple of weeks ago. It's not just about being able to see multiple apps. It's in my opinion, it's 
having the possibility to to work with multiple apps at the same time, but not just by seeing Windows, just by, you know, with uh, not having to end up with duplicates and all the switching between apps. I don't know how Apple will fix this, if they will ever fix it, but it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, and I, 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 can I interrupt just for a second? I, I feel the same way in, in, a, in one element, at least. I think their sharing needs to get better. Just as yeah. a general concept, not only just sharing data files, but just sharing information between different applications and being able, for instance, you know, Text Expander should be able just to talk to these apps. We shouldn't have to do a URL callback to get my library updated. Mm-hmm. And and there's a way to do that, I think. And I, I wonder that the question I have in my mind is, is this something that I'm a, I'm exercised about because I'm a nerd and I want to take these to the next level like Federico. I want to be able to push these things harder. Or is this something that even, you know, more muggle type users out there also are suffering from? And the more I think about it, I think everybody really would appreciate a way to share data better and to have a common set of data files where they don't have to have five copies of the screenshot. Um, there's certainly things that could be people still struggle and and not just with the sharing but people still struggle with well explain to me exactly where my iCloud data is and how I can get to it on iOS you know this whole app specific thing of okay well pages files is I have to go to the pages app and get and it, if it's this type of file I have to go to this type of app and get I mean those are definitely points of friction that need to get better and even ex- expanding APIs to things like like Siri you know and I don't know that Apple is going to do that, but I know that from, you know, to David's word, muggles, that that's one of the requests that I hear quite a bit from, from people who are just wanting to get more out of their iOS devices. Well, why can't it do this with this application? Why can't, why can't Siri, you know, play a podcast from Downcast or why can't Siri um, get me directions in Google Maps unless I go through this, this transit mode thing? And yeah, I don't know, hopefully Apple will fix some of those things in addition to just deeper sharing and maybe multi-app support, I, I think, are things that they're going to focus on. I think with iOS 7, it was it was really focused on the redesign this year. So maybe with iOS next year, iOS 8, or I guess this year, we'll, we'll get some of those under the hood things. The, the, the one thing that I'm not sure about is the idea of having multiple apps on the screen at once. I think that that the idea of, you know, one app at a time and you push that button and you get out of that app, um, for a lot of people, that is so comfortable, and I, this is from personal experience with with family members who aren't necessarily very tech savvy. Uh, I think when you start adding multiple apps, I think they are going to have a lot of trouble. So I'm not sure whether or not that's. I understand why it's a good idea, but I'm not sure whether or not that's ever going to happen. I do think the sharing thing definitely needs to improve. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that showing multiple apps at the same time is really the solution. I would rather see app features available anywhere on iOS rather than see multiple windows. So yeah. I, I would prefer something like a drafts popover to just take a note in drafts without actually switching to drafts or without showing both drafts and Safari at the same time. Or so, I think I, I would like something like the, the tweet sheets and, and the mail sharing panels. So basically stuff that lets you do 
things with other apps without showing two windows or without switching to, to other apps. I yeah. think that maybe that's the road that Apple should go down to. And then, but then again, I have no idea. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> that we'll see in June. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it will be interesting. Katie's right. I mean, they must have, it, I'm sure it was an all hands on deck effort just to get iOS out. And as we see, I mean, they still are having challenges with iOS in some regards. Uh, just you know, getting it to be a stable, solid operating yeah. system. So, so next this next year, I, I would suspect that hopefully we'll get some more attention to that sharing topic. But but right now, um, let's go just down to a different level. What what are the things, the apps that you find you're using now that are kind of new and exciting to you? Uh, on on iOS in general, yeah, or just the iPad uh, in general, iOS. Well, there is this new. Um, RSS reader, and um, and uh, it should be coming out soon. And it's called Unread, and it's by the same guy who developed the repost client for App.net. It's okay. by Jared Sinclair, and and it's coming out soon. And, and he's been teasing the the app with screenshots and some blog posts, and, and it's really great. And uh, and uh, I've really been using that a lot on my iPad. Um, well, besides editorial, of course, because I, I write in editorial all the time. Um, I've been using Evernote a lot. Uh, they've been working on some nice updates. The app has been criticized quite quite a lot for, uh, for the iOS 7 redesign, but it's getting better. So I've been using Launch Center Pro more and more because um, I, I, I found that I was... D- I was doing some things that I I really wasn't supposed to. And, and I mean, something as simple as opening a link that I had copied from mail or a, or a Twitter client in Safari. I was opening Safari and, and tapping the address bar and pasting the link, whereas I, I, could, I, I was able to cut down to just an action in, in Lunch yeah. Pro. So the, the, and, and on that one, I would say that I've become more reliant on it, too, because of my new iPhone, because I always felt like there was just such a there was just a noticeable delay between getting Launch Center Pro started that I felt like any time I saved would just made me crazy sitting there waiting for it to kind of get booted up, even though it was just a few seconds. And whereas now it seems like it boots so much faster. Yeah. It's more useful. I've been using these um, these pinboard client for the iPhone it's called Pinswift hmm. and uh, it's really nice because it, it, it basically it lets you um, access uh, the network page of your Pinboard account so you can see uh, items that have been saved by people you're subscribed to but you can also switch to the popular page you can search for specific tags in your own bookmarks so i i, I use the the network section of pinball a lot to, to to see things that other people are saving and I think Katie, the, you are among these people <laughs> because you save a lot of you save a lot. So thank you for that because you save a lot of cool stuff to Pinboard, <laughs> and uh, you and Brett, uh, I find a lot of co- a lot of cool stuff with you guys. And um, there is also the the iOS seven update uh, to GoodReader, the file manager for iOS. It still is a bit too complicated for my tastes, but. It lets you do anything. So powerful. Yeah, Yeah. it's so powerful. The iOS 7 interface is a little 
better than the old one. Stuff is, has been rearranged a bit. It's still a lot of buttons, especially on, on the iPhone, but it's really powerful. And yeah. um, I've been using Command C a lot. Are you guys seeing the, the I, I, clipboard? That's, that's kind of like the new PageSpot type type app. Yeah, I, I need to. I need to get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I've been using uh, Command C, uh, by the way, which is developed by an Italian guy. Um, oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, from Sicily. Yeah, and I've been using to share my clipboard between the iPhone and and the iPad and and from OS ten to iOS. So that's another one and. I don't I know. I don't really know what happened with PaceBot. I guess they just are so mm-hmm. successful and busy with yeah. TweetBot that they just yeah. don't have time. Yeah, another one that I that I talked about on on Max Source a few days ago is um, Wordbook. Is um, it's a it's a dictionary app, and universal for the for the iPhone and iPad. Uh, Basically, the the reason why I, I install Wordbook is because it lets you add notes to words in in the dictionary. So I was looking for a way to to add Italian translations manually to English words because I, I find it easier to associate uh, an English word with an Italian version or an Italian expression, and so. Most dictionary apps don't let you do that. And my favorite one, which is Terminology um, by Greg Pierce, it doesn't, let you, it doesn't let you add notes. So with Workbook, I can... Well, of course, it's got the basic features of any dictionary app, so you can search and bookmark and, and you know, follow links to other uh, words. But you can also add notes, and it's got this uh, handy feature for me, which is um, it's a real audio pronunciations by actual human beings instead of a robotic voice. Uh, and they are really professional recordings of, uh, you know, just people pronouncing words. And, and it's really nice because sometime, well, most of the time I, I got some doubts about the proper pronunciation of words, so I can use workbook for that. And um, I have an obsession with these word. Yeah. Um, I know that you like um, word flex for the iPad. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, it's a yeah. good one. <laughs> yeah. Wordflex is like it's like word porn almost. <laughs> you yeah. Look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it, you just keep following links to other words, and, yeah. and it's got and it's got this crazy bubble thing it, going on with the with animations. The, with the yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I installed it uh, last year, and I've and I've been keeping it on my iPad. Not just, not because I use it every day, but because when I when I want to use it, it's just so. Amusing to you know just tap on words and and follow definitions so cool. both, and both terminology and word flex. If I go into them, time stops for me. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'll look up and it will be like forty five minutes just went past, just gone. There is um, I want to mention one last app. Um, the dispatch email client for the iPhone. It it saves me so much time that I would spend to recreate. Uh, things that I get in mail as um, to-dos in reminders. Yeah. So Dispatch has this custom sharing menu that lets you save um, messages as reminders, either directly and in the Reminders app 
or as um, to do in Fantastical, which sings back to reminders. So it's it's it, the same thing anyway. It does even so much more. I mean, I think oh, last yeah. time I checked, it has like 14 different applications it can send things to. Yeah, and, and they added this crazy feature to um, pick attachments from your Dropbox and Dropper accounts. Yeah. Yeah. So Dispatch is an email. It's, I wouldn't call it an email client so much as an email utility. Yeah. Um, you're not going to manage all your email in Dispatch. But if you get a lot of stuff in your inbox that you want to send other places, like for someone for, like Federico who does so much management on his iPad, Well, actually, it's an iPhone app. They don't have an yeah. iPad version. Yeah, but. they don't have. A, that, that's the point that I wanted to to mention. I would love to have an iPad version, and and I thought about running this app in compatibility mode as well. But I just I don't like it when I when I'm forced to you know to use app in, apps in this way. So right now I'm just you know and when I, when i have many emails that i need to to send places either evernote or reminders i just pick up a, my iphone and do it from there but yeah it would be great to 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 have an ipad version isn't that like the ultimate compliment for an app that's that's iphone only that you like it so much that you look uh, at it on your ipad yeah, <laughs> even yeah. though it's, it's kind of that terrible compatibility yeah. mode i've yeah, got a couple I, like that i know a lot of people who do that with fantastical yeah Yeah. Well, so I, good, yeah. I, well, supposedly, I and you may know more about this, but that, that iPad version, is they're working on it. I have an idea. <laughs> oh, well, they're working on it. It's on the road. I, I, sure, I, I hope they are, but I don't have it. Yeah. I, I've been doing that with um, TextBot, or what is it? Um, um, the um, PaceBot? Not. Yeah, yeah, PaySpot. I'm sorry. Yeah, PaySpot. So that's why I've written down Command C. Since we get off this call, I'm going to be installing it and giving it a a good kick in the tires because it looks, it looks pretty bad on the iPad and it, it yeah, hasn't been updated I, for years. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a lot of apps, Federico. Yeah. You're, and you're and, busy and, and I feel like, I feel like I should be mentioning more because yeah, um, I've I been doing it. so much stuff and people are always asking me, so I know you do a lot of stuff on the iPad and I kind of feel guilty when I don't recommend any new apps. So, oh, can I recommend another one? Yeah. Yeah, please. So uh, actually two. One is Mr. Reader, but it's kind of obvious. It's a great RSS reader for the iPad and it's my favorite one because it's got this, um, all these features. It lets you get... Mm, RSS feeds from Feedly, Feed Wrangler, and a bunch of other services. And, and it's got a powerful sharing menu, so you can send links to any other app that basically supports a URL scheme, and, and it's really powerful. But I also yeah, want to... Yeah, I, I, sure. I started using Mr. Reader because you and Don McAllister <laughs> and a couple other guys, and I really didn't want to because I have Reader, and I thought, you know, why do I want to have a different app on my iPad than I have on my phone? Is Mr. Yeah. Reader on the phone? I don't no, know. No, no, it's yeah, just so, the iPad. Yeah, yeah so I, I didn't want to have two, but you're right. The sharing menus, I, I've been using it and I'm I'm sticking with it. And also yeah. they fixed the icon. The old icon yeah. used to just make me crazy. It was a creepy guy with, with a mustache and yeah. <laughs> like an RSS face. It was crazy. And um, uh, the other, the, the last app then for real this time that I want to mention is um, it's called This Week. And it's um, basically a reminders client. Universal for the iPhone and iPad is just reminders, so it doesn't get calendar events. And it's basically, I see it as um, 
as an as an alternative to Apple's Reminders app, it's got a, a much much simpler layout. It doesn't have the crazy cards thing that that Apple uses for for the Reminders app, and then it's got a, a really clean interface. It doesn't support natural language like Fantastical, but I find it. I mean, it's in my dock on the iPad because it's much easier to to use and and than than Apple's official app. Yeah, and you that reminders is your primary task management, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, because I, I was using I was I was really a a loyal OmniFocus user, but I, I just realized that I that I wasn't using all and and I and I wasn't depending on features like contacts and and you know all the folders yeah. and. You know, it was just too much for me. I think it's a great app. It's a great solution for people who who need that kind of stuff. For me, I'm just fine with a couple of lists in in reminders and due dates. That's my goal, really, is to get to a point in my life where I don't need something like OmniFocus. But uh, <laughs> for now, I'm, I'm definitely need it. Yeah, I definitely need it. But you're right. Uh, it just depends on the person. I, I get that email quite often from people because I've done so much on OmniFocus over the years. And some people say, well, you know, I'm a retiree and I don't, you know, what do I need OmniFocus for? I say, well, you, you, you may not need it if if you're just, you know, you don't have many things to do every day and you don't have, you know, I've got essentially two different jobs and kids and a lot of different things up in the air and I I need it, but not everybody does. I think that what we what we saw with iOS 7 was that a lot of developers focused on getting their iPhone apps um, ready for the new OS. And the iPad versions kind of suffered because, I mean, you have all these apps for the iPad that haven't been updated yet, like TweetBot and there is no Fantastical, there is no OmniFocus update for iOS 7. So, I mean, of course, there are more iPhones than iPads out there, but I... Uh, in an ideal world, I would like to see, I would love to see developers uh, treating treating the, the iPhone and the iPad at the same level. But, you know, in the real world, it's just not happening. Well, it's tough because, sure. uh, you know, you only have so many engineering resources. And, and you're right, when there's yeah. so many iPhones out, I mean, you need, to, you need to take care of your biggest customer base first. Yeah. Well, it's really great having oh. you, Federico. Did I miss something, Katie? Thank you. No, I was just going to say we covered quite a lot in this hour and a half here. Yeah. <laughs> I I just am so appreciative of uh, whoever it was that fired you because <laughs> you've brought <laughs> such a great website to the rest of us. And and you're so much better served uh, creating Mac stories rather than selling stuff on eBay. That uh, that person, we yeah, all owe that person. I don't think those eBay sh- yeah, I don't think those eBay shops are, are around anymore. So good move. No. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, really, uh, you need to come to Macworld one of these years and uh, you will be like the superstar. Everybody will be looking for Federico. And you come to America with that Italian accent and, uh, you know, look out. <laughs> look out. So okay, Federico, where can, where can people... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kate, I'm Katie, sorry. Katie, Katie's thought a lot of negative things about me right now, and she didn't say one of them to her credit. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> no. 
So, <laughs> Federico, where tell tell people a little bit. Um, we know the website, but tell people about the book. Tell people Twitter, website, podcast. You do so many things. Tell people a little bit about what you do and where to find you. Okay, so uh, my Twitter account is Vitici. It's V I T I C C I, and I spend most of my time there just tweeting stuff about Apple news and gaming and just stuff happening in the in the tech news world. Um, I write at maxstories.net and I have a podcast at 5 by 5 called The Prompt with my friends Mike Hurley and Stephen Hackett. And I have a book about editorial. It's called Writing on the iPad, Text Automation with Editorial. And it's available on the iBook store. Um, yeah, that's about it. I think that's enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, Katie, when I told Daisy that we were doing a show with Federico, she's like, oh, maybe I'll listen to that one. He has a lot of good tips. Yeah. I think think that's the only show she's ever listened to are the ones Federico has been on. (laughs) Um, So where can you find us, Katie? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode, and it's pretty extensive over at 5by5.tv slash MPU slash 175 for this episode or at our website, MacPowerUsers.com. Um, and we want to say a shout out to our good friend, Hay, who is helping us with the show notes for this episode because JT is off having a baby. So congratulations, JT. Yeah. Uh, you can send us email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com, and you can find us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Barkey. And that about wraps it up. Thanks a lot, Federico. We finally got you on. It won't be the last time. We'll be bugging you again at some point in the future to come back and tell us what you're up to. And once again, thanks for everything you bring us, and we'll see you all next week. Next week.